I would start off if you want to reach out to someone who's at a much higher level than you just to say, hey, I am doing this. I really admire you. Can I talk to you? Can I just have five minutes? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I have 10 minutes of your time to ask you questions? Ask for advice because not only will you just get a bunch of good advice, you'll have made another connection and that person will you'll be on their radar and they will maybe want to help you. It's been a really good good thing for me because you know worst case scenario you get some good advice it's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music but i'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better if you have high quality music but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with Chris Angelis. She's an award-winning singer-songwriter. She had an album that hit uh, number one on the iTunes singer-songwriting charts, performed at festivals like Sundance, South by Southwest, NAMM, and she's an artist in our Gold Arts Academy right now, and we have like a weekly wins post and a few weeks ago, she posted in there just like nonchalantly, like, oh, like I just um, hit, uh, was it 2,000 pre-orders on your, mm -hmm. on your new EP? And so I was like, whoa, that's awesome. That's super impressive for an independent artist. And so mm -hmm. I looked into your strategy for you, what you had done, and I was like, wow, this is a really cool, a cool idea, a cool strategy, very like grassroots. And so I reached out and we, and we connected and uh, had a bit of a conversation about it. And, you know, it sounds like there's some ups and downs, some learning lessons and things that, that you learned through experience. So I thought yeah. it'd be awesome to uh, bring you on here on the podcast to share some of the lessons that, that you had learned. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah. Chris, th thanks so much for taking time to, to be here. So uh, I'd love to hear a little bit just about, about your, your story with your music and how it got started. And for anyone that's listening to this right now, if you want to give a, a quick introduction. Okay. I... My mom says that I, you know, wrote my, my sister claims too, that we wrote our first song together when we were three. I have an identical twin sister and I do remember the song. It was about being cold and wanting to go inside. And, and then we just started, you know, we just were surrounded by music, not because our family are musical at all. They're all doctors and stuff, but, but there was just a lot of music that they had, like my grandparents had all these Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals and classical music and records and stuff that we just on our own delved into and had a lot of fun doing, you know, the school plays and the little musicals and getting that the bug of performing in that way. And I'm going to say we a lot because this is my sister and I, we did a lot of this together. Um, we would like make up little songs in our treehouse and learn how to harmonize. And, and then we, I kind of branched off a little bit. Well, we started doing a lot of theater and acting and, and then my sister branched off and went to NYU to be like an actress. And I moved to LA, was still pursuing acting, but had still been writing songs because I just, it was just a really great way to, to release, you know, the feelings that I was having. I, I, I've said n a number of times in my life that I don't understand how people who don't have something like that get through their lives. Like, like what do they do? So as I, I just sort of kept delving into it and performing and, and I just became my main focus and yeah, that's sort of my story. <laughs> awesome. You know, it's, it's funny. We have our, our son Xander is about three years old and he's really getting into harmonizing right now. And it's just mm -hmm. like a whole thing. He's so proud of himself when like he like plays the piano, the two notes next to each other. So I'm imagining you sitting in your treehouse right now and like harmonizing. I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's cool. so cool. I mean, we didn't do it with instruments. Like we just sort of figured it out. My sister is the one who was really good at harmonizing. I would just sing something and she just, I don't know, naturally could harmonize and I had to learn from her. So it's that's really cool. awesome that she still, like she twin, still sings with me. Harmonizing. Yeah. yeah. That, that is cool. <laughs> so, so this, this strategy, so I mean, hitting number one on iTunes for singer songwriting, like that's, that's an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. Could you, could you share just like a little bit about that strategy? Like, like where did that, where did the idea come from? And could you share maybe like an overview of, of how it works for, for anyone that's listening right now? Yeah, yeah. So my strategy was very similar actually to crowdfunding that a lot of people have done, you know, with Indiegogo or whatever. So they, the idea is to say, usually with crowdfunding, you say like here, if you give me $5, I'll send you a download. Or if you give me $20, I'll send you a t-shirt or like, you know how it goes. And, and I realized like, that's awesome for being able to make 
the money to fund the album and the promotion and everything. But then I was like, you know, how do I sell a bunch of the album? Because I was having issues with people being very supportive and I would get, you know, the money and stuff. But then once the album came out, it was like, well, I sold like 50 of him of it and like, okay. So, and I had heard about like, oh, I, I, I want to get onto that heat seeker chart on billboard. Like, I, I think that it's possible and the artists can do it. So I was like, how can I sell a bunch of albums? I have a bunch of people who I know like my music. So I started thinking, what if I, instead of getting the money just directly from people, they sort of gave me the money by buying the album. A number of times so that's just sort of where it was like okay if you buy the album three times i'll send you a cd if you buy the album five times i'll send you a thank you card and a cd if you buy the album 10 times i'll send you a t-shirt or whatever it was and so yeah that's the basic principle and it got a lot of albums sold not not that all of them were you know it wasn't like three people buying the album 300 times or something. <laughs> it was a lot of people bought it but having those little incentives made people more excited about buying it mm, that's awesome yeah, and so so just to like kind of reiterate and recap for anyone that's listening to this right now, like the the idea as a whole is you know in Kickstarter you might have like a five hundred dollar tier, right? Like five mm-hmm. and for that for that tier they get a private a private show, and so the way that that you did it was you said okay we're still gonna have a five hundred dollar tier and you still get the show, but with the five hundred dollars rather than just being like one thing, it's actually. 500 divided by $5 per pre-order. So it's really like a hundred pre-orders that, that you can get from it. Yeah. Uh, which I think is just like a really smart, like a really interesting way to bundle it so that, you know, that it is about pre-order sold. Mm-hmm. I also think it's kind of interesting too. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts and, and experience with the, just sort of like the idea of support, like when you're, when you're reaching out to people to, to get to a certain goal with like the amount of pre-orders, I'm curious, like if you found that that was the way that you framed it with like, oh, like this is about pre-orders and getting as many pre-orders as possible. Was that, do you think that that helped you in terms of, you know, being able to, to, you know, have people come in at, at higher bundle packages or how do you think that the framing worked with that? I think that having that, it needs to be before this date definitely makes a huge difference just as in with the crowdfunding campaigns where there's a limit especially because that date it wasn't just like an arbitrary you know okay this account it's going to be for three weeks and then it's done it was this is when the album is coming out and if you buy it before then then it'll help it you know be at number one on itunes or whatever and mm-hmm. and if you you have to buy it during this this time frame to help it get on the charts to the the highest that it can be because pre-orders everyone count towards the first week of sales so that's how you you know can get on those charts and as an independent artist so having the that solid goal with the results if they do it by then being charts and whatever made a huge difference. And also I was able to do things like, okay, when we get to 500 total pre-orders, I'm going to do this fun thing when I live stream. And when we get to a thousand, I'm going to, you know, dye my hair. I did that last time. And, um, I'm going to, you know, just fun little, I, I did a pie in my face, which, you know, it's very silly, but people are into it. So just things like that also are really fun to encourage people to get on board, get on, on something that's moving, you know? inertia momentum is always very helpful in these things yeah i can definitely see how like having that tangible sort of like goal you know to hit number one on on itunes could be something that really rallies people rallies people together so i feel like i should say though before we get too far and people are excited and trying to do this that Mm -hmm. i found out afterwards like the week that the album came out from billboard that it that's not allowed <laughs> like billboard specifically doesn't allow and you to do incentives like this so unfortunately my one of my main goals getting on the billboard charts was was thwarted i didn't know about it because it was a brand new rule literally had only been in effect for like five months so anyone who is wanting to do this for that reason don't <laughs> Um, But anyone who wants to just sell a bunch of their albums, encourage people to get it, you know, to a chart on iTunes and other things like that. Yes. Just wanted Mm. to put that out there. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm glad glad, glad you shared that. And that's when we were talking about the ups and the downs um, and kind of learning lessons. It was a huge bummer. (laughs) 
so and to clarify too like you know it's not like um doing this is illegal or there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with this it's just like in terms of billboards rules for how you can chart on yeah. on billboard which is just one platform they don't so it's yeah that's, so, I mean, it disqualifies you for qualifies you for billboard yeah okay and so how, how does that work in terms of like them keeping track of it? Does it, does that mean like if there's a bundle, they only count it as one or do they, they're just like, no, you're not allowed to do that at all or else we're not going to The way that they all. did it for me is like, if you have any incentives, you don't qualify, period. They, cause there were a bunch of the albums that I sold that were just people wanting to buy the album straight up. They didn't even know about the bundles, but they were like, well, because there was any sort of incentive, you can't, we're not going to count it. So hmm. yeah, it's pretty strict. <laughs> It sounds like it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that there's probably going to be some, some alter. There's like, this is a rule that's going to be figured out like over time. Like, yeah. like that to me seems kind of unfair, ridiculous. Like, of course, like there's always like, why would we not incentivize people to buy CDs at the same time? I can also yeah. understand <laughs> the, the point that it's like, oh, you know, if you're like bundling them together with different things or the, the Jonas brothers doing something or it's like they sold an album with every ticket that they sold. And there's yeah. some people who got kind of mad about that, but that's one of the things that that's what they were trying to avoid this time is because huge artists like that were doing that. So that's right. what they're trying to avoid. They're trying to they're trying to make it fair. Unfortunately, it's kind of messing with independent artists at the moment. But like it's all it's one of those things. It's like you said. It's always it's gonna probably even out to something that makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a good question too in terms of like how do you keep it fair? Because I mean, it's like okay, no promotion at all for the album, or you can't do any sort of bundles. Like it just seems seems a yeah. little strange. But I had the question. I wondered, and I I think that. The fact that I did stuff like, hey, when we reach 500, I'm going to do this thing. Or when we, like, I was like, is that not allowed? Because that's kind of an incentive to buy it. But I think that it, it had to do, yeah, I have to check on that, actually. I'm not 100% sure. But I think that it has to do with, like, as long as it's not something where people have to had have bought it to participate. Like, the pie in my face thing was just, like, I did that on a live stream. And you didn't have to have bought it to to see me do that. I was just celebrating that I had sold a thousand copies. So I right. think that might be okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's listening to this, like maybe if you like dig into the rules a little bit, it might, they might change as well. So just kind of see what yeah. it is right now. Regardless, this is a really cool strategy. I mean, also number one on iTunes, which is a huge accomplishment and just for the, the ability to connect with, to connect with your fans and to kind of give them like a tart, like, like an incentive, that's based around the music. That's one question I had for you in terms of, it seems like one of the opportunities or benefits from a strategy like this is that, let's say that you did have, so it's a $5 EP and you have a $500 tier of something that you're gonna offer. So someone gets the the $500 thing, they get 100 digital copies of the pre-order. I wonder if there's a platform, with, or if, if you could answer this, that'd be awesome. But is there a platform that just makes it really, or what would your recommendations be in terms of making it as easy as possible for the person who got a hundred pre-orders? Can they just like share these codes with as many of their friends and family and people sure. to download <clears throat> as they want? Or how, how does that work exactly? Yes. Through, I did it through my website, through Banzoogle. You can pre-order as many copies as you want of digital things, but you do have to do them one at a time. So that makes it a little more complicated, but you can have it sent to whoever you want because you'll get all of those downloads. I think, yeah, and you can send them. But also Bandcamp actually has a setup that's way more easier because they have a gifting option. Now, iTunes and stuff have gifting options once it comes out, but but Bandcamp's the only one who has it before it comes out. And all you have to do is put in whoever's email address that you want to send it to, and you can do it all in one transaction. So you could like buy 20 copies and send them to 20 different people through Bandcamp. So that's the easiest one. Mm, interesting. Also, iTunes doesn't let you buy more than one copy. So I was going to say, I guess, I guess the incentives in other ways of just like, hey, everyone, I'm trying to get to this goal was how I got to the iTunes one, because you have to have, you know, a separate Apple account. And I know that people weren't like creating <laughs> fake Apple accounts to buy my album. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Awesome. So in, in terms of the Bandcamp, like the gifting flow, is that so it sounds like Let's say, for example, someone gets 100, 100 pre-orders, then it's like they can get 100 all at once. And then like as they're checking out, they have to put in everyone's email or is it like they check out and then it's like they get like 100 different codes they can give out or do you know exactly how that works? I believe it's more like you click on gift 
put in their information, then gift again, put in their information, and then you can pay all at once versus like on my website, for example, you have to click it and then buy it, like do the transaction every time for each one. Okay. Gotcha. So it kind of lets you buy in bulk. It still is kind of a little bit individual in terms of how you're gifting it. But because you have to send it to each of those people. Yeah. I don't think there's a way to like put in a bunch of emails at once. Yeah. Hmm. Part, part of the reason that I'm, that I'm curious about this is because, you know, I, I, right before we started the interview, I was telling you that I was like coding the, mm-hmm. the app that we're working on right now. And, and I think that it could be an interesting use case to have something like this where people can pre-order, you know, 300 copies of a digital album. And when they order that, it sends them 300 unique codes and then they can, you know, give them out however they'd like to. And when someone yeah. enters in the unique code, then it gives them the download and maybe it gives them like a bit of an onboarding sequence too, where it's like, like, Hey, your friend gave you this free code. So here's what to do now. So you can get the, you can get the download here. Also make sure to like, you know, join the the community. If you want to connect more with the musician and other fans of the songs, here's yeah. a video you can watch. Here's X, Y, Z. It's kind of like creating a, a nice onboarding sequence for people after they share it. I think it would be a really, really cool way to kind of spread the love and to, to create like to a, get those people components. to like become fans and get in, engaged yeah that would be great hmm. cool all right so one one thing i'd love to to dig into is just your general strategy of like how it, it sounds like part of the success that you experienced was due to the amount of personal outreach and just like you know diving in and connecting with people and actually like reaching out to people and having conversations can you talk a little bit about like what your process was like for that yeah it's basically it's not um glamorous it's it's just i do a lot of live streaming so getting my myself out there i do a lot of cross promotion with people in the live streaming community where if i have other artists that have you know great followers on their channels. I'll ask, you know, to be a guest on theirs. I'll bring them to be a guest on mine. And we're sharing each other's music while sharing fans. And I also just did a lot of texting people (laughs) and sending individual emails and sending individual DMs. Just a lot of that. (laughs) It was, it was tedious, but worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I love that idea. I've, I've been thinking for a while, like that we could use a lot more of that, like as a community of like live streaming and, and, you know, kind of interconnectedness between the artists. I mean, obviously there's live shows and touring and that's the whole idea of having a tour package, but what's your, what's your process like in terms of identifying and then reaching out to like similar artists who have that kind of following? Like how, how do you build those kinds of relationships and what's like the when you reach out to them and you're interested in doing something like some sort of collaboration doing like a swap, like what's, what's that look like? A lot of the people that I have met, I guess, are just people that I saw also on my streaming platform have, and have like that my fans are fans of, and they sort of tell me about them. And then sometimes even my fans who are awesome will help me. Like they'll like reach out to the person who they're already a fan of and be like, Hey, you should do something with Chris. And which is awesome. And, and the, the communities on these live streaming platforms are usually really, I mean, I haven't had a bad experience with people being very supportive and wanting to, to help out each other. And what else? I've met people just through doing live shows, you know, being at the same venues over and over and being like, Hey, I know you like, and, um, meeting in these weirdly now the zoom culture, like I've actually made real contacts with people through those. I did this guild of music supervisors, um, show with KT Tunstall and Tori Wolf and, and now I have done some cross promotion stuff with Tori and, so like that, like hmm. just being in the community and being nice, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is funny how like so many things come back to, to that. Just like you, know, show, you show up, <laughs> you show up and you be kind and you care about other people and you try to provide value. Um, yeah. Awesome. And the one thing that I will say to you when I was doing my messaging re- reach out, which I is, is genuine and also helpful is that the end of the message was always and please let me know how I can help you too. Because a lot of the people I was reaching out to are musicians. So they're already willing uh, to help if you, because they know what what's up. They know that it is helpful, but I'm like, send me your links. I will pre-save your stuff. I will buy your stuff. Like, 
it, this is a, a two-way street. So I think that was really helpful as well. Mm. Awesome. Yeah, there's a... Uh... There's a story, I'll, I'll kind of skip quicker to the punchline because I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but I love this story because it just illustrates the the importance of like of cross-connectedness and like in serving other people. But the punchline of the story was that there's like two different, there was two different meals that were set up. There's one in heaven and one in hell. And it was the exact same meal, but everyone in hell was, it was torture. Everyone was heaven, it was, it was amazing. And they were like, well, what's the difference? And it's like, well, in hell, they're all trying to, to feed themselves and they're all eating the, like these three yard long chopsticks. And so they're trying to feed themselves and they can't do it. And it's, and it's terrible. And they're like, oh, that's terrible. But up in heaven, it, they're still using the three yard chopsticks, but it's like they feed each other. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, like that, there's such, that's such a beautiful <laughs> story because I mean, in so many ways, it's so true that like, yeah, we tend to lose perspective. We're so identified with ourselves that sometimes like yeah. it's so helpful to have someone, you know, someone else that can that can provide um, value for us in the same way that we can, we can serve other people that we can have perspective for them. And absolutely um, those three yard you know, long chopsticks, how it's so fun to give gifts and stuff like that. And, and that story reminds me of something. Cause I, I grew up in Northern California near big Sur after moving from Florida and oh my gosh, we're wow. We're a bunch of hippies, but I went to this like little party one time where it was a, a group, group of people and there was a bunch of lovely food but the the rule of the party was you can't you can't feed yourself well and everyone fed each other and it was, it was yes we're a bunch of hippies but but it was so fun and it was such a lovely little like experience of community wow that is like the the real the realization of that story in, in uh in real life. That's awesome. So out of curiosity, when when you're talking about doing these like live streaming collaborations and and you know you're on their live streams or on your live streams, like what what have you found has been one, the best way to sort of interact and to to connect with each other's audiences, especially like do you just like play songs for them or do you just like listen to your songs in the background or how, how does that work? When we're cross promoting, generally. First of all, if I'm trying to get in to someone's world, I will go to their stream and just be in the audience and, you know, give them little tips or prizes or whatever you give them to support and comment and stuff. And then uh, I don't just like cold be like, hey, but and then when we do something together, if it's a split screen, usually it is a split screen thing, I will just take turns playing songs. I'll play a song, they'll play a song, we'll talk about them. And mm. just, you know, like a songwriter in the round kind of thing. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Well, one thing, I mean, it's kind of r- reminds me of with Paradise Fears when we were when we were coming up on like YouTube and there's like some of the smartest things that we did was these collaborations with other other musicians and doing videos together and doing songs together. And that's such a kind of like bees cross pollinating type of thing. And so, mm. yeah, it seems like there's so much there's so much opportunity in terms of just collaborating with each other both musically and what you're i love the idea you talk about too doing live streams back to back and kind of trading off one one and the other i also can yeah. imagine like people doing like festivals kind of like that where you could do you could put together i mean maybe we've see now now <laughs> my friends started like oh, we could even do something like that with modern musician like we could have some sort of festival or something yeah. where where we have the kind of songwriters rounds that's a cool idea yeah i mean you did you hear about uncancelled fest last year in 2020 mm-hmm. it was this big big thing that a, a bunch of kind of venues put together hotel cafe and, and now i'm just blanking on rockwood in new york and some other venues around the country got together and had a bunch of sponsors like from you know ascap and whatever and um, there was just every day there was a lineup from like 11 a.m to 11 p.m of different artists and this one was you know 45 minute to an hour chunks but like like I played right after Colby Calais and like William Fitzsimmons and you know that just seems you know that's cool and it's the not, it's are... not intim- intimidating at all no <laughs> I'm like why am I after them or maybe I was before them whatever it doesn't matter but so there's that way of doing it where you set up a schedule even though no one's in the same place people are like there for the festival so that's cool but then the other thing that what I'm talking about is you're actually in the same like stream and you can actually talk to each other. So both of those things have been really, really useful because people like get on board and they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch this festival online. And and especially with Twitch, which is really cool, you can do this thing called rating where you know I play for whatever, however long, and then I bring my entire audience like digitally, I don't know how they do this, but like 
they all just get dumped into the next person's live stream. They're there in their audience. They don't even have to do anything. They're just there. And then like that person can do that for the next person. And it's really cool. I love that. Yeah. If, I think it was uh, Ari Hurst and I was doing an interview with him a few weeks ago and he was talking about this idea of like rating. I'm like, that's Twitch is definitely an interesting platform. I know it's mostly like for like, for like, it's like video game industry, but it just seemed like they have some really innovative ways that they're kind of garnering that community. Oh, yeah. It, and it's really good for music too. I, I have a friend, Zane Carney, who does some really cool stuff on there and he, he makes his living from that basically. Wow. I mean, he does some other stuff too. He's, he's a professional guitar player, but um, <laughs> he makes like thousands of dollars from Twitch just from live streaming on there. Wow. Every month. That's super cool. Yeah. And is it, is his like, we don't have to go like super like down a rabbit hole or anything, but do you know, like roughly like how much like time, like per day he's kind of spending like live streaming on Twitch or? Oh, I don't know if he does every day, but when he does, I think it's about three hours, but you okay. don't have to do that. He just is, you know, this crazy jazz guitar player. He nerds out on like learning, you know, live learning jazz songs. And he just, it's, it's, like, it's so you cool. Know, he I plays mean, one song and it's 20 minutes long. You know? <laughs> right, right. And I mean, it's, you know, if you're going to be practicing and you're going to be learning, you're going to be performing anyways, like what better, like why not document it? Why not you know, bring right. people along for the ride? Exactly. Because um, that's the, the cool thing about live streaming that I've, come to to know it's very casual it doesn't have to be this like oh this big deal show and i have to like look a certain way and not mess up and like it's very interactive i get more tips and engagement and people watching when i'm just like sitting there talking to them and i'm like playing and i'm like oh oops i haven't played this song in a while let me figure out how it goes like and they're like helping me with the lyrics and the comments mm -hmm. and and i'm just responding in between verses then when i am like on a stage, even though it's live streamed with like, you know, everything, the lights and stuff like people like that too. And that's definitely has its place for if you want to charge for tickets or whatever, but it can be super fun and casual. I love that. And it, I think it's such a good reminder for people too, that like, you don't have to be perfect and you don't necessarily yeah. have to like, you know, you can't ever make any mistakes. And that sometimes like those things are actually what make you more endearing and are, you know, it's, it's more important just to just to show up, just to show mm -hmm. up and be yourself. And then you'll, yeah. you'll learn as, as you do And it. you might as well like get in front of a new audience and maybe make some tips while you're practicing. Yeah. Heck yeah. I guess one thing I'd be curious about kind of just digging, cause you know, you've, you've, you've accomplished some pretty amazing things. I think a lot of oh. independent artists just seeing what like number one on iTunes singer songwriter and seeing the, the types of festivals that you've played and the career that you've built is, is really awesome. So f for, musicians who are just kind of starting out like and they're aspiring to kind of to reach that level i'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your story and, and your journey kind of early on maybe before you kind of had validation you're still kind of figuring stuff out do you remember what like some of your biggest challenges were when you're first starting out yeah i mean definitely more of the imposter syndrome of not you know being worried that i wasn't good enough for whatever i was trying to do like but also money is it can be a stumbling block for sure but i would just say knowing people and and that i think this is a lot of it's true for any business and i don't mean like oh you you have to know someone you have to be someone's niece or nephew or something that's in the business already just being part of the community like i said because those things everyone can rise together and help each other like if you like the hotel cafe actually did this several years ago where they had a bunch of musicians that were playing there and they were all good and they were like well we can't afford to go on tour by ourselves and we wouldn't be able to you know fill these venues by ourselves but like if the eight of us go we can compile our audiences and and like get a van and and then have this really successful tour that is really important. I think like you know, being willing to being willing to show up and and really making that a core piece of your strategy is like is connecting with people, reaching out and building relationships. You, there's a couple of things that you said that I think are are like awesome things that we could maybe dive a little bit deeper into in terms of both like kind of imposter syndrome like early on, which yeah. I think is something all of us struggle with, even and when success do. comes. So I think that that's something that we can definitely dig into. And and then of course I think there's a lot of money mindset types of things, but with musicians too, and just in terms of like you know learning how to be comfort like uh, learning about 
self self worth and like mm-hmm. how we value our our music. But to start out with that imposter syndrome, I kind of I'd love to hear a little bit about your perspective on imposter syndrome when you're first starting out. What did how did that kind of show up, and what's you know what is it like right now for you still kind of going through that? <laughs> oh gosh, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot too here, but I'm, oh. I'm happy to share some. Like I I think all of us all of us have this this fear of being fully seen and kind of this this imposter syndrome i think it's a really good thing to to be able to shine a light on yeah i mean i think it's very good to surround yourself with people who are at a higher level than you because then you have something to shoot for and learn from but it can also be a little scary because you're like well i'm not that good or whatever like i'm not and Mm. even not in a i'm not that good imposter way just like if you're like well i'm not at that level yet it's like that's okay Just learn from it. But yeah, imposter syndrome. I definitely have struggled my whole life with feeling like going back and forth between being like, hey, I think I'm pretty good. And wait, I guess I must not be because things aren't going as fast as I want them to. Maybe maybe I'm just crazy. Or or I'll like look at other people and I see what they're doing and I and maybe I don't like it or I don't think that it's working and then I'll be like oh my gosh what if that's me and that's why it's not working because like I'm just one of those people who this is a weird like inside out imposter syndrome sometimes I wonder if I'm a person who thinks that I'm better than I am if that makes sense I guess that is just what imposter syndrome is I'm not sure if I'm explaining this well at all but basically yeah there's just this gut fear of wanting to put myself out there and then thinking, oh my gosh, what if they just think that I'm terrible? And mm. how dare I? Or what if I do get an opportunity and <gasps> I am not up to it or something? And mm. as I've gotten more you know, achievements and more experience, I think that it's definitely still here. <laughs> because mm. in the, it doesn't go away really. I mean, I have more evidence that it's probably not true that I'm terrible. But, but there's still that little voice in my head that's like, oh, well, is it the reason that I am not, you know, selling out theaters yet? Maybe it's because not nobody likes me or maybe everyone who likes me has terrible taste or like, you know, just silly <laughs> stuff like that. So, yeah. Th- th- thank you for sharing that. No, I think it's it's really brave to to be able to share that. And, and I, I certainly resonated with that too. I mean, I think all of us, it's, you know, it's, it's really rare that any of us who are listening to this right now or any of us like or, or either of us are we're like the best in the entire right. world no. <laughs> at something <laughs> you know, like, and it's so it's so so easy to compare ourselves i've heard this called like comparisonitis before mm-hmm. but you know sort of just this feeling of like am i am i good enough or i'm not good enough or the the being afraid of being fully seen and, and not being not being good enough i think it's something that all of us all of us can relate to so I'm, I'm curious about in terms of that inner work you know it, it's also interesting too I, I think that there's there's so much like the foundation of personal growth comes so much from how we identify ourselves and our willingness to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations that stretch how we see ourselves and kind of like allowing the old version of ourselves the old version of who we thought we were to kind of to let go of that and to assume mm-hmm. a new identity and to kind of reach the next level and anytime that happens there's a you know there's a bit of dissonance you know whenever you have a goal and you think about like i want to achieve this goal then it creates and i think the same thing like why surrounding yourself with people who are at like a much higher level is both uncomfortable but also it will stretch you like higher mm-hmm. big time because you see it's possible and there's a bit of yeah. dissonance because it's like, why am I like, if they can do it, then I can do it too. And there's sort of yeah. this acknowledgement of, of, of that that's that's uncomfortable because, you know, sometimes I think that means like we can't, we have to take responsibility for it. It's like, well, you know, I, I gotta like, I gotta show up. If it's my fault if I don't do this yes. thing. Yes, exactly. Well, that's one of the things that I was going to say too about the like, beginning of the career is like i i just wish that i knew a lot of things you know especially as an independent completely independent artist like if you get signed then the people that you're signed with know the stuff but like things that i just like was like wow i just didn't even know to be doing that it's not that i just like was lazy or or wasn't good enough it's just like i didn't know that like i could set that up and be getting that source of income or i didn't know about publishing and like you know all that stuff and yeah but actually to to speak to what you were saying i have a close friend who I 
when I met him was playing at these like tiny little venues, little bars and stuff. And, and now has won like five Grammys in the last couple of years. And, and that's one of the reasons why I started trying to win Grammys. Cause I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not delusional. I don't think, you know, it's going to happen just like immediately, but oh, it's something that's possible. Okay. Mm. <laughs> you know, cause that didn't even occur to me as something to even try before, but now it made it seem possible. Cause oh, someone I know, pe multiple people that I know now have won Grammys and I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I'm, I'm on your side. You, you, you got this for sure. You're definitely, oh, it's not a matter of, if, it's a matter, matter of when, but yeah, I, I love that. Just like the being around people, like where it shows you that it's possible. I mean, I, I know for, for myself, both with Paradise Fears, but, but also with like Modern Musician, like there's no way that we would have built the business that we have if it wasn't for like surrounding myself with people at a much higher, way smarter than I am, much higher level, way more mm -hmm. successful and seeing like what the, just like it's almost like osmosis you know just like being in that being surrounded by that like it just it see, lets you see what's possible and it yeah. kind of just pulls you up and it creates like you were saying about mindset being such a huge thing is like everyone who's succeeding obviously has a success mindset whether or not they had it to begin with they they are experiencing it now so if you can like kind of soak that up and like be in that space too you'll probably be doing more of the right things than if you're surrounded by people who are like oh it's so hard i'm struggling oh you know which everyone you know we all vent it's fine but you know what you surround yourself with is important Oh, what's up, guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're going to walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's going to allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's going to be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. I mean, this is there's a book that I'm rereading. I've read it a couple of times. It's like a classic, classic book called Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a, a big section in this. He was the person who sort of invented this idea of a mastermind group. And a lot mm -hmm. of the idea of a mastermind group is what we're talking about right now, about surrounding yourself with people who are kind of at a higher level and kind of pull you up. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering... Uh, from your point of view, you know, there's, <laughs> it seems like there's so much r resistance that comes up both internally and externally. Like whenever we set a goal or we like, we really want to like achieve something great, then it's like in just inherently in that challenge comes resistance and challenge and things like, you know, maybe like, like we're talking about maybe people that we used to be close like have connections with maybe we start to we start to have loosened ties with some of those people and we start like start um connecting with with people who are more aligned with kind of where we're going but mm -hmm. there's also the sense of, i think for a lot of us the thing that sort of holds us back from going after our goals and really kind of being at our highest our ourselves is is sort of this fear of losing losing our connection with like our close ties that we already have maybe, or maybe being disapproved of or being rejected mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, who are you to, to do this thing? That makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. So I'm, I'm curious just to hear your thoughts on, as someone who's listening to this right now, I, I hear this a lot, like people who feel like they don't have that kind of support. They don't have the community or the peer group around them that's kind of pulling them up. And yeah. maybe they actually have some, I mean, probably the closest one is the person in their own head, like that voice that's basically like, you know, kind of holding them, holding them back. What would your what do your recommendations be for anyone like that who's kind of struggling to to stretch outside of their comfort zone and and to find that kind of peer group? Okay. Well, like one of the things that you said about wanting to stay in a place that's comfortable for you is 
real. Like the struggle is real. Like as much as you might want something, I have, I have noticed at least now consciously over the last couple of years feeling like, oh, I think I really do have a fear of success. I really do have like, because whatever you've been in for a while, your subconscious, your body, your whatever is used to that. And it's what it knows. And it, it whether or not it's good for you, you're, the new is scary because it doesn't know that they're like, cause your body's like, I've been in your mind or like, I've been surviving in this place, even though the place is, you know, not believing in yourself and struggling. So, so like that, that, this has been working. So let's just stay here. Like, like I'm the cave, I'm going to stay in this cave because I'm safe. And even though outside is like this beautiful meadow and <laughs> you don't, your, your mind is like, I don't know about that. So super that's real and and it's okay if you're feeling that way, but you just have to try to tell yourself in your little kind way to calm down and realize the possibilities. Like one of the things that I noticed was I had this mindset of money and success, like having more success and wealth in my career. I started feeling embarrassed about even mentioning it because of this limiting belief that I sort of discovered that I, I was like, well, if I don't have a lot, then people will help me and people will take care of me. And, and I realized like, oh, if, if I start like doing well, then everyone will just like jump off the bandwagon and they like, <laughs> won't want to be here with me anymore, or I won't be able to do the things that I have been doing because I get, you know, good deal from people who just want to help me out. And, and then I won't be able to, you know, get farther because then they'll want just more money and I'll just stay in the same place. But it's like, wait, hold on, hold on. Even if that's true, you will get more successful even than that. And then you'll be able to pay everyone what they deserve, which I definitely want to do. I'm a big fan of paying people what they deserve. And, and you'll be able to do the things like above what you're used to. Like, I guess I just got into this mindset of, which I think is so, I'm rambling, but so prevalent in our society. And I think it's really unhealthy that it's like cool to be a struggling artist. Like, not that it's not cool, but that somehow if you're successful, then like you are automatically a sellout and not your music isn't meaningful anymore or something like that, which is just really damaging and not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I got this feeling of, oh, if I start doing well, then people aren't going to respect me as an artist anymore, which is dumb. Um, because there are a lot of, when you really think about it, the artists that you love are really successful. <laughs> and you don't think they're dumb and, um, and not meaningful. So just stop it. So I've done a lot of meditation. I've done just digging into these false beliefs, exercises, which, you know, that, all that stuff that I just said is stuff that I discovered in the last six months from doing these kinds of questioning of myself. And I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> that was so I, beautiful and well articulated. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so valuable too i think because again like th these are things that all of us all of us have faced at one point or, or another and the things that that literally hold us back from from reaching our goals so i think it's yeah thank you for for sharing that and continuing to do that that inner work and uncovering those beliefs because i mean it's not just you right like these are undercurrents in the music industry as a whole mm -hmm. and there's you know these are deep-rooted things and there's a reason that there's been the quote-unquote starving artist mentality for for a while so i think this is really kind of part of the movement that us having this conversation right now is helping to bring awareness to this and to process and to let it go because you're right like it's that's not that's holding us back that's that that's not healthy good stuff that's like helping us be abundant like that's stuff that's mm -hmm. literally like holding us holding us down so yeah that's awesome it reminds me of another another story an example when you talked about like yeah, we kind of get comfortable with, even if it's something that is kind of holding us back or it's you know unhealthy, like it's something that we're, it's normal, we're used to it, it's safe and not uncomfortable. It reminds me of this, the story of, I think I'm going to butcher it, but you know, there's like 10, there's 10 maids who like they carry fish, like, like rotting, like fish, like buckets and they're carrying them. And then they like, you know, go to sleep next to the, next to the buckets and they're sleeping or whatever. And then like, there's one day where they left their, their, rotting fish buckets at the beach and they saw this beautiful flower bed and they're like wow this is awesome and so they all they all laid down and they tried to go to sleep and 
they couldn't sleep. And they're like, wait, like what's going on? Like we're in this beautiful flower bed. And it, like smells like wonderful. And then like one of them realized, oh, it's because we don't have the rotting fish with us. And so they like yeah. brought back the rotting fish and I think it's just an example of, I mean, I don't think the moral of the story isn't, okay, we should just bring our rotting fish with us everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's like the, I think the moral is that, that yeah, like we, sometimes we do get used to things that are totally uncomfortable and aren't like really good, but we can get used to them. But you know, it's only uncomfortable until you get used to the new thing and, and it becomes mm-hmm. comfortable and then you can set new goals for yourself. And there's probably like a healthy amount of dissonance that we can pray for ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought about this a lot in terms of like, even just like chords on a piano, like in dissonance, like when you play two chords next to each other that clash or that they don't like, they don't resonate, they don't harmonize. There's a natural feeling of like wanting resolution. Like it literally creates this sense of like inside that's like, okay, like there's something that needs to move. Like it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And then it like resolves. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that there is like movement. There's movement in the, in the dissonance and in frustration and challenge. You know, I think those are the things that as a society and entrepreneurship, like that's what it is. Like where, where do needs come from? It's from dissonance, from challenge, from frustration. That's where the best, most successful businesses come from is from solving that deep rooted dissonance. And I think you can intentionally create dissonance for yourself that helps you move towards your goals is by setting goals. We create that distance. Like I'm not where I want to be, but there's kind of that balance where you don't want to set it you don't want you just feel terrible about yourself or like I'm not right. worth worthy as a human being or I'm like no. you know like you so have to have reachable goals. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm curious what what's your I mean as someone who has grown a lot and achieved you know this this level of success now what's your goal setting process like like how do you sort of set that that stretch for yourself without it's like a rubber band right you don't want to stretch it too far so it snaps but like what does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, I mean I think a good good example would be with my my last two releases, I decided to say, hey, I want to get a thousand pre-orders. And that at the time was like, wow, I don't know if I'm going to achieve this. But because of, you know, all of the, the incentives and stuff that I did, I, I managed to achieve it. And I think that just the fact that it's a goal, here's one thing that I will say about goals. Some people, I think there's some discussion about this, but I am a big proponent of sharing your goals with people, with whoever and anybody that you can, everybody, because people will like jump on board and try to help you because they see that you're up to something and people like to be part of something that's happening. So getting, just saying, I want to, telling everyone I want to reach a thousand pre-orders and then having these little benchmarks and like getting people excited about it. So that's how I did that. And I managed to reach it. And so then this year, you know, what it was like 15 months later, I was like, well, I did a thousand. Why don't I do 2000? Which mm. is like, well, that's crazy again. It's like it's doubling it, but might as well try because we did it last time. So I already have that social proof. Hey guys, we got to a thousand last year. Let's do it again. Like, you know, it, this is how all games and stuff are, you know, when you can, when you gamify things and you're like, Oh, get to this next level. And it's like, that's what people are excited about. And so I do that for myself and I get other people to play the game with me, especially for things like you have to buy my album. I can't do that myself. So I had that from last year, the proof. And then I felt like, okay, even if I don't get to 2000, cause that is a crazy big number, I will probably get to a thousand, which is still amazing. <laughs> You know, I even if I get halfway there and I'll probably get something. And like the fact that any goal that you're trying to reach will have in the process of all of the actions that you're taking to achieve it benefits, even if you don't reach the goal. Like one time I was in this contest where I had to get all these votes and I was, I got so close. I got to number two, I didn't win. And like, so I basically didn't get anything. The number one person got $10,000 and all this crazy stuff for their career. And I didn't, but I didn't not get anything because through the like two or like month long process of trying to win this contest, I got people really engaged in, in my music. I got a bunch of interviews and reviews of my stuff and opportunities to play shows because people just, cause I was putting myself out there so much to try to win this contest. There was a lot of, you know, side effects that were very good. So I, I'm a big proponent of make a goal, tell everyone about it and, and be aware and open to the other things that will happen because you're trying to reach that goal. Mm. 
I love that. No, that's so good. Even just the, the mindset of, of approaching it like a game. You know, mm-hmm. like a game, what's the point of a game? Well, to have fun. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but like, you know, a game still is like you can have it can be competition, but like ultimately it's it's a game and in order for a game to work well, like you said, like you need to have a tangible score or you need to have a way to to benchmark and kind of see like how are things going. And also, mm-hmm. you know, you have different strategies to to improve it. So I think that just the mindset of approaching your career approaching your your life in the way that it is a it's a big game and you know Mm -hmm. don't lose sight of the fact that it's just a game and it's the point of it is to to enjoy it and to have fun but also yeah there's there's a lot of really good lessons in there just in terms of how how you approach that awesome well hey chris this has been a lot of fun i've I've really enjoyed this conversation and i appreciate you coming on here and and sharing some of the the lessons that that you've learned so for anyone who is listening or watching this right now who wants to learn more listen to your music or or connect deeper where do you recommend that they go to chrisangelis.com has all of my socials on it i'm the most i think engaged on facebook and instagram instagram more and i'm at chris angelis on those things but it's all on my website also i'm on patreon if you want to get more involved and hear all my stuff and see all my stuff before anyone else and i also wanted to say one more thing that i have gotten really like clear on and very recently that for people who are starting out and anybody is if you don't have something to offer necessarily people love and you know this i'm sure you've talked about this before people love to give advice (laughs) and talk about what they've done. And so one Mm. of the things that I've learned is while it may be like a huge long shot and maybe make you come across like, like, whoa, okay, that's strange. I mean, do what you want to do. Take big risks, swing, swing for the fences. But I would start off if you want to reach out to someone who's at a much higher level than you, just to say, hey, I am doing this. I really admire you. Can I talk to you? Can I just have five minutes? Can I buy you a coffee? Can I have 10 minutes of your time to ask you questions? Ask for advice because not only will you just get a bunch of good advice, you'll have made another connection and that person will, you'll be on their radar and they will maybe want to help you. So instead of just making the direct ask, you could just ask for advice on how they did something and maybe they'll offer it to you. I mean, I wouldn't assume that that's going to happen, but it's been a really good, good thing for me because, you know, worst case scenario, you get some good advice. <laughs> mm, that's, that's such a good lesson. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think that that's like definitely a superpower is learning how to listen and le- learning mm-hmm. how to ask for advice and to, to get feedback both from like your audience and your, and your fans and also from people at that higher level reaching out with that, that, that frame of view is more powerful. You know, if you're, if you're talking, if you're speaking and you're exuding like stuff you're making statements like you're not there's nothing coming in like you're not learning anything it's like all this stuff coming but if you're listening and you're asking good questions and it's and you're absorbing then you know there's a there's a flow there where you can mm-hmm. where you can you can learn and you can also relate with people better and connect with them you get more understanding more knowledge yeah that's a, that's a great lesson i appreciate you sharing that mm-hmm. well chris you're awesome uh thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and thank i'm looking so forward much. to seeing the next the next ep release and what you come up with then yeah thank you i think i'm actually putting out a deluxe version of this album on my birthday july 23rd so it's gonna have some extra fun stuff new songs and other versions and stuff on it so hey there you go awesome and i would totally encourage i mean anyone that's listening to this right now like go check out chris and follow her and listen to the music and just like keep tabs and see what she's doing because this is someone who has invested a lot of time and energy and i think you're probably you know we talked about osmosis right and like learning like surround yourself with people who are just like a level level ahead of you and just pay attention to what they're doing and it's a great starting point thank you (laughs) awesome Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.